0: Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voisin, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I would like to thank all of my listeners as I do when I come on these podcast uh, programs. And that is, without you, there wouldn't be Inside Personal Growth. Um, For over the last eight years, with your support and growing support, we've been able to continue to maintain the show. And we appreciate all of you out there. Now, today, joining me from New York is camille sweeney and her husband josh goshveld and they have written a book called the art of doing how super achievers do what they do and how they do it so well uh good day to you both how are you doing hi greg we're doing fine
1: we're doing great greg good morning.
0: great well thank you josh and thank you camille and again, thanks for being on the show and sharing some of your insight, your research, um, your interviews from these super achievers um, that the two of you interviewed. Over, I don't know how. What was the length of time it took you to get to all these people to interview
2: them? Probably about a year to get to everybody. We we interviewed three dozen um, three dozen people. So.
0: Uh, that's a lot and it takes a long time to do the in-depth interviewing that that the two of you did I'm going to let my listeners know a tad about you Camille and Josh they are husband and wife team and co-authors of The Art of Doing which we're going to be speaking about here in a few minutes Camille has known she wanted to be a writer since she was five Um, she's written for the New York Times and other publications Uh, she's a McDowell Arts Colony Fellow and writes fiction in her spare time Josh, on the other hand, worked on farms and as a carpenter and cartoonist. Uh, he was the art director of the New York Times Magazine. He illustrates and photos for major magazines, record companies, and book publishers, and have won numerous awards. Uh, he has several one-man show paintings in, the New- in New York and Los Angeles and art-directed music videos, written and directed short films. His latest fine art project is Gigi, The Black Flower, um, John or Josh was both author and creator of the critically acclaimed Multimedia uh, Achieve of the Fictional Celebrity. Um, so together they work well, and this art of doing book is really, really something that I think my listeners are just going to love you guys. And, you know, I think the first thing that came to mind as I was going through the book and doing review is, you know, here's two kind of pretty diverse people, you know, Josh coming from an interesting background, you coming from this other background. What was your drive and purpose for wanting to write a book like this and interviewing super achievers?
2: Well, you know, it's Josh and I always say we are the most curious people you're going to have at your dinner party. We're always fascinated with what people do and how they do it, their processes and practices. And we sort of corner people, the forensic psychiatrists, and, and, and we're always, you know, curious about them. There's something that neuroscientists call infovores, and that's what Josh and I both share, although our backgrounds are very different. And so one day Josh came home and said, I've got a great idea for a book. What if we go to successful people and ask them directly, how do you do what you do? And I thought about it for one second and said, hell yeah, let's do it.
0: (laughs) Uh huh. So you were in. And Josh, you know, it's interesting because normally when I get these books, the backgrounds of the people, I I just did an interview with Barnett Bain, the book on doing and being, interestingly enough, titled, but you know the backgrounds of the people frequently psychologists, you know, researchers, but not your background. So, Josh, what compelled you? Well, we're almost like
1: naturalists of the human species. I mean, being an artist, you're a very curious person and you're a very aware person, you're always observing, and we just took it to another level where we wanted to almost codify how do people get what they want and need? Well, let's okay. just go ask some people who've been very successful at that, not through any sort of filter, not with any preconceived notions. Let's just engage them in a conversation about how they got what how they got what they wanted and needed.
0: Mm, interesting, because uh, one of the gentlemen, uh, basically Stephen Kotler has done a ton of work on hacking flow of these people as well. And I don't know if you're familiar with his books, but um, one of them is called Bold. Uh, but it's interesting. A lot of the things that you guys came up with, I found similarities in the same research uh, that Stephen did as well. Now, you guys interviewed actresses. You interviewed a lot of people, uh, 36, as you said. And interesting, the the people you chose. Maybe I want to ask you a second... How did you guys decide on this lineup of people?
1: We wanted to cast a broad net. We wanted to interview people from as many human endeavors as we possibly could. So we picked business people and people in the media, people in the arts, people in technology and athletes, because, again, we felt like, we don't want to just know what makes people successful in business, but what makes people successful in anything that they do. So we had a big, huge whiteboard. That was our giant wish list. And Camille from her years at the New York times is the great wrangler. But uh-huh. I always said like, she can't necessarily get somebody to say yes, but she can get to anybody to at least ask them the question. So it was a really fascinating process for us to see how, a race car driver and a technological searcher for extraterrestrial life had things in common, or how a rock band and a tennis champion might share some similar traits.
2: And we, and we wanted to go across a wide spectrum of kinds of endeavors. So we included some rogues and some some we have a 16 year old girl who solo circumnavigated the globe. And we spoke with, as you said, actress. We also spoke with an actor, Alec Baldwin, and just as a wide a range of of achievements as possible.
0: Well, interestingly, Camille, I watched the TEDx talk that you did and. It's, it's really on that. It's on this inquisitiveness um, thing. Now you it, And you interviewed actress Laura Linney, three-time Oscar and Tony-nominated uh, actress. What you learn from Laura about becoming this super achiever uh, as an actress? You, you obviously had a lot of people in here, and I had to choose the ones, but I was just kind of picking and choosing, because we can't do all 36.
2: Well... Laura was interesting to us because she is one of those she's an actor's actor and she's done incredible work on and will work with an indie first time director and a big Hollywood, you know, blockbuster director And one of the questions that we asked everybody was, who are you doing this for? Now, Laura's background is that her father uh, was in the theater. And so she grew up going to see theater from a young age. And we expected her to say, oh, it was my dad. Um, But it turned out that what she said was that she is doing this for the story. So, whenever she gets a script, she starts to read it, whether it's from the new kid that's just, you know, first time director or a Steven Spielberg. She's looking for that script to actually speak to her, for that story to come alive for her in order for her to feel like she can make her best efforts to represent that on screen or on stage.
0: I can certainly understand that as an artist, because you are kind of painting the canvas, right? Uh, Josh right. knows that one. And she wants to do the best job possible. So that I can see that in the super achiever. Now, Josh, you know, everyone knows Cesar Milan, the dog whisperer. Uh, he's, he's famous. He's been on TV forever. He's got this great show. What did you learn about Caesar? I know a little about his background prior to write, reading your book. And how did he become such an icon as this, as this dog trainer? And what sets him apart as a superachiever in your estimation?
1: What was fascinating about Cesar Milan was his adaptability and his ability to see a need that wasn't being filled. He grew up watching Rin Tin Tin as a kid. And he had this fantasy, I want to be a Hollywood dog trainer. And he had several attempts to get across the border. When he finally did, he was starving, and he got this job at a dog grooming shop. And he realized, you Americans are so neurotic about your pets. You don't understand the proper way to raise an animal, which he had experienced back on his grandfather's ranch. So he really pivoted his... Uh, vocational goal from being like a Hollywood dog trainer to being somebody that was going to give pet owners the path forward to have a healthy relationship with their animals. And obviously, he's, you know, probably affected the lives of millions of pet owners and their animals. And it was that what what really interested me with him was his ability to see that need and then so successfully fill it
0: mhm and and so amazingly so because he does such a phenomenal job and you know you, you as you watch him you see just the greatest interaction between animal and human you know now tony hash is a different breed altogether uh was had money before he ever started zappos from a computer company Uh, So he was a super achiever before Zappos, and then Zappos comes along, and he has another big hit, obviously. Everybody told him, there's no way you're going to be able to sell shoes off the internet. Um, You know, you, you look at this man, and he's now written a book about happiness in the workplace, which most of my listeners have probably read or know about. What are some of the traits that you found in, in this businessman super achiever? And either one of you can feel this one or both of you, but he is an interesting study and, and he's been all over the place.
2: We were really surprised when we talked to Tony Shea about one thing that really stuck out that he is so, so, so good at, apart from just being interested in selling things from a really young age his his early worm farm but what tony did once zappos got to be bigger than uh, them being able to meet in a bar as he says is he started to worry that zappos was in danger of the same corporate culture that he really didn't like that was, um, at the company he sold once it was sold and it went to a much bigger company, mm-hmm. he saw this sort of soul deadening culture. And so he underwent this really rigorous practice of listening to his employees and he sent out an email and he said, tell me your top 10 core values and what the core values of the company should be. And so there was this back and forth process of, it's kind of a digital listening because it was over email, but back and forth process over a year that he took to come up with the Zappos 10 core values that all of the employees could listen to and even more that they would be hiring and firing based on the shared values of the people that were you know the, the employees so this act of listening which we saw over and over again with super achievers was really something that that spurred Zappos' Forward when it was growing and enabled them to have this shared purpose
1: in their work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody, no matter what they do, needs information to inform their decision-making. And we found across every single one of these fields that these people were all exceptional listeners.
0: Well, that is one of the 10 things that you found, right, Josh? So you... Let's discuss a few of those. Um, obviously, I'll go through this list for my listeners so that they get the idea of what's in the book. And by the way, this, this is articulated right in the front of The Art of Doing for my listeners. But they found these ten common traits. Dedication, intelligent persistence, community, listening, as Josh just said, telling a story, testing, managing emotions, evolving, patience. Did I get them all? I think I did. Uh, Happiness. 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 So let's talk about intelligent persistence versus just persistence. Um, You know, how did they cultivate that trait? I would assume that's as a result of a ready, aim, fire, and then saying, well, geez, I was off course. Uh, Let's take a little bit more of an intelligent approach. But can you guys fill in the blanks there? That's
1: that's. You, you capture the concept there that it, anybody in their process of trying to achieve something is going to experience small failures and large failures and people's abilities to make these mid-course corrections are of course, uh, you know, central to somebody's eventual success. And, uh, there was a wonder, wonderful story about an opera singer Anna in who was, Uh, in a conservatory in St. Petersburg, and all of her teachers said to her, like, the best you're going to be is in the chorus. And she got herself over to... The theater,
2: the, the uh Marinsky Theater, which is where the major opera company was in St. Petersburg.
1: Yeah, and she just got a job just cleaning the floors. She just wanted to make sure that she was in there. And from there, she studied all she she became such a student of everything that was going on there. And one day when the lead went sick, the stage manager came up to her and said, you know, do you know this part? And she said, I know all of the parts. And she stepped into that role and became this very young phenom and, and, a, and a great protege of the director of the Marinsky Theater.
0: Mm-hmm. So this
1: is an example of somebody who, you know, if she had listened to her teachers tell her the best you could ever hope for was to be in, in the, the cor- chorus somewhere that would have been the end for her.
0: Well, and that, Josh, I heard you speaking on one of the interviews brings me to this next question, which I think is is a rel- very relevant, and that's self awareness. Um, some all of the traits that these people have, uh, it was as as you say, imperative to their success was self awareness. What did you learn by these interviews and talking with these interviewees about? the development of this particular characteristic. Now, you know, we could get very etherical here. Or we can get very common, you know, down into the, the nitty-gritty of some of the things that these people really learn about themselves. But what do you think is the, why this is one of the most important areas?
1: Well, you know, we discussed with Anna and Trebko little failures, but then there's the big failures where people enter into a state of such uncertainty and confusion. And the natural process for most people to protect themselves is to look at external causes for that. It's the economy. It's my parents' fault. It's the idiots who are working for me. Mm -hmm. And it's the one thing that we saw with everybody is, oddly enough, so many of their great leaps forward were in the wake of their failures. When they questioned their own biases and assumptions so deeply that they were actually able to reinvent themselves and come up with something entirely new. We found this
2: great research about. Uh, there's a guy. He he was up at Harvard. Uh, Chris Argreaves and. He studied operations and he saw that um, you can look at failure in two different ways. Most people look at failure in what he called first-loop thinking, which is where you are blaming the externals. But the other way that you can look at it is looking into yourself and figuring out what you could have done differently. And we had a great example in the book, a chef. David Chang, who's just exploded. He has restaurants all over the world now. But years ago, when he first was opening back in the early 2000s, He had one little noodle bar that was his dream, and he he worked really hard to make it as authentic as possible, but nobody was coming to this noodle bar, and so he had this moment of truth where he realized the noodle bar concept is not working. This is what I want to do more than anything in my life, but what can I do to get my restaurant from failing. And so he went into the kitchen and just started cooking all of these amazing combinations of things that he had learned as a trained chef that were combining the noodle bar concept with everything else that he had learned. And suddenly people started coming and the reviews started happening and um, he was critically acclaimed. and, And now, as I said, he's He's this amazing worldwide chef, and it's all because in that moment, rather than blaming uh, New York's economy or customers who didn't understand, he really took a hard look at himself and and the model that he was using, and he changed it. And, and this I, is
0: yeah. And I and again, of you know, when you've been doing as many personal growth interviews as I have over the years, you. You get to see the level of focus and intensity of many of the super achievers. It doesn't matter if they're an author, uh, they're an actor, uh, you know, whatever they are, an artist of any type. Um, But one of the things I noticed about the gentleman you're talking about, because I've seen an interview with him before, is his, his level of focus and intensity. Even when I saw him on television, amazing focus, amazing intensity as just a human being um did you did you pick that up from him as well um that's what I picked up from the interview
1: right
2: away
0: right yeah.
1: away he yeah. was an amazingly intense guy and talk yeah. about self awareness i mean this you know I think of self awareness as it's basically a search for the truth because most people want to believe what they want to believe that makes them feel good that was taught to them or that makes them sort of look good i mean David just is on a relentless course to right. always be questioning himself. He said this wonderful thing I love so much. He talked about he would believe he was a success when the worst guy in the kitchen in his newest restaurant, who was called Little Richard, when he became a good chef, Chang said, I'll feel like then I am a success.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly, you know, again, I'll just point to him, he is an intense individual. Not everybody who's a super achiever, it's interesting, you pointed out all these characteristics, and we're going to get to the next one, which is around community, but while they possess this, there's this level that people can get there, regardless of David's intensity. Um, so, you know... It's it's really a funny thing because when you look at achievers, you go, well, was it just luck? Uh, In most cases, not. In some cases, I will say that it is. But it sounds like developing a community was a common thing that your super achievers had in common and that it is imperative. Um, What did you find out about how these people developed community and why, again, is this really one of a, a real important characteristics?
2: Well, I think one of the things that's happening with our economy now is we've become more autonomous. A lot of us are working as contract workers or freelancers or even within our own even within a company you're sort of responsible for yourself and your career. And what we found is that super achievers really build communities and use these communities to propel them forward and one of one of the great examples was our youngest interviewee who was an Australian girl who at the age of 11 read about a guy that had solo circumnavigated the globe so that's sailing around the world by himself and so this girl, became fascinated with this concept and she actually decided she wanted to do it. And so she had, she knew she wasn't going to be able to do it on her own. So she started to reach out to reporters and editors at newspapers to write uh, about her and her, her quest to make this thing happen. And she went to shipyards to ask about boats and she went, on boats and, and got trained. She would sail for free to learn from veteran sailors. And little by little, she built up this amazing community so that by the time she actually was ready to go, when she was only 16, she had this worldwide network of people that were contributing and and um, listening in and, and supporting her in this endeavor and i think we can take away from this the idea that no matter what you're doing you need that you need that infrastructure of other people
1: to be helping you make your thing come true I mean, we we humans are creatures of collective action there's very little that's done by an individual, so your ability to be able to persuade other people to join in with you is absolutely critical to anybody who has any sort of ambitious goal, you know whether it's just within the context of a family or something as large as Tony Shaa's Zappos
0: mm-hmm. yeah and it, and it, you 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 guys state that so eloquently because it is in this world today of freelancers out there and independent contractors and the way that the world is going, it's so important to build uh, good, strong communities. And uh, I I know this myself very well because I'm involved with a project where I'm raising $20 million and have built a community of 40 people to help me raise that for a school with kids with autism and Down syndrome. So I know how important well- it is. To just stay focused and build a big community of people to support. You can't do something like that really by yourself. Um, so you know, you interviewed a, a teacher, Erin Gruwell. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. That's right. And an inspirational teacher. I didn't know anything about her prior to this, um, but I do believe this is probably one of the most underrecognized professions in the world. Um, and one where the influence that teachers have over kids um, is especially important, and especially Aaron in this case with at-risk students uh, and also the best-selling author of this book called Freedom Writers Foundation. It's interesting because when you go into a teacher's world, um, I think while m- many of us don't understand it, you guys were able to pull the essence out Um, From how a teacher like this, a great teacher, helps these at-risk kids actually um, get focused on their future and know how important it is. What did you guys learn from somebody like this? Because I always love learning from other teachers.
1: Aaron's story is really fascinating. I mean, first of all, we just have to recognize that a public school bureaucracy is one of the slowest moving and most resistant to change organizations imaginable. Erin herself wasn't particularly well-trained. She came into the classroom with all of these assumptions, as we spoke about before, that she was going to be teaching these kids the classics. The classroom was mayhem. Mm -hmm. And Erin, through a long process of really listening to her kids, and sort of using a feedback loop to understand what worked and didn't work on her own developed a pedagogy that was designed to help these particular at-risk kids and not only that she did it in the face of such resistance of the people in the public school she went into the library and said you know can i get a catch her in the ride from our kids and the librarian was like forget it your kids can't get that anything that she attempted to do she had to become a bureaucratic infighter she had to find her champions higher up in the food chain who would help her and she just had this most amazing experience with the kids by designing a pedagogy that really spoke to the fact that These kids lived under very dangerous circumstances where, you know, a simple mistake might mean a real fall for them and possibly even a death. And we just had such great admiration for her stamina, her intelligence and her ability to listen to these kids to understand what was going to work for them.
0: Well, it definitely is, as I would say to the both of you, you've done a great job of covering a lot of different categories where people from artists to athletes to business people um, in this book, and it really gives the reader an opportunity um, to see – These common characteristics amongst these people. But the style in which you did it, where you outline it, it's very easy for the reader to follow. I want my listeners to know that. And the 10 um, lessons that you guys learned or pull away from these super achievers is articulated right up front in the book. So I want to encourage my listeners to go out and get a copy of The Art of Doing and we've been on with Camille Sweeney and Josh Goshville this morning talking about their new book. And I want to thank both of you for taking the time uh, to impart not only your wisdom, but the education that you learned from these super achievers. Uh, and actually putting it into a book so that my listeners could uh, take up on it. The other thing is you can find their website at theartofdoing.com. art uh, It's a great website has a lot of information, videos, and so on. Um, you can also listen at that website to a TEDx uh, uh, program that I'll put a link to in the Art of Curiosity um, that Camille did that was one of the TEDx talks. Thank you both for being on with me this morning and spending a few minutes uh, to discuss your new book, The Art of Doing, How Super Achievers Do What They Do and How They Do It So Well.
1: It was a pleasure, Greg. Thank Thanks, you very Greg. much. Woo! Oh